So the other night we decided to order takeout. Leanne and I were wrecked after another week of COVID-induced confinement. Another week of no school for the kids, no play dates, no routine. Another week trying to figure out, unsuccessfully I might add, how to homeschool our kids and do our jobs at the same time. And the last thing either of us wanted was to wash another dish or clean up the kitchen. So Leanne found some Thai place that was offering drive-up takeout service and went to place the order. And while she was ordering it, she kept asking me all these questions. Do you want the sticky rice? Do you want the barbecue pork or the curry? How about any appetizers? Fried tofu, spring rolls, papaya salad? Should we get enough for six so we have leftovers? Should we order dessert? What time do you want to pick it up? And I don't know why. Any other day, I wouldn't even thought about this. But in this moment, all the questions were bugging me. I mean, how hard is it to just place an order for Thai food? But she kept asking. And I finally just turned and blurted, why is this so hard? Can't you just figure this stuff out on your own? Well, that didn't go over so well. I mean, here she was, just trying to make a nice night for our family after another week of not so very nice nights. And it turns out she's married to the biggest jerk in the world. What was happening to me? This is beyond normal. Welcome to Beyond Normal podcast that explores what it takes to cultivate and maintain our well-being in this time of national and global crisis. My name is Tom Godfrey. My team and I are going to bring you conversations with thought leaders across different facets of health and well-being so we can all better understand and teach others what it takes to be well in today's world. And let's face it, right now, with all the uncertainty and challenge of the coronavirus, being well is harder than ever. So today, I want to talk about love. Well, Actually, I want to talk about relationships, because if you've been in a relationship for a while, married or not, you know there's a lot more that goes into it working than just love. Love matters, of course, but you also need patience, flexibility, empathy, good humor, and a lot more. And right now, couples forced to socially isolate together are facing a relationship test the likes of which they've probably never faced before, and it's making it hard to bring all those things to the table. The stress of all this might turn us into partners we don't want to become. So I wanted to talk to someone who could help. Jen Elmquist is a licensed marriage and family therapist, a teacher, and a writer. She's been helping individuals and couples navigate the inevitable ups and downs of committed life for over 20 years. Her amazing book, Relationship Reset, is a must-read for any couple looking to build a better life together. It's insightful, practical, and immediately useful whatever stage your relationship is in. And I'm so excited to have her here with us. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jen. Hi, Tom. I'm so happy to be here with you at appropriate social distance, right? (laughs) Yeah, this is definitely at least six feet. So as I mentioned at the start, a lot of couples right now are facing a pretty serious strain on their relationship. We're confined together. We're stressed to the hilt. And the truth is, a lot of us probably could have used couples therapy in a normal time. And this isn't normal. So what advice do you have for couples trying to manage love in the time of coronavirus? Yeah, this is not a normal time. However, all relationships are going to face crises. This is a crisis that we're facing right now. And so there's so many things I know we'll get to touch on. But there's a foundational thing that I think if couples can buy into in crisis, it changes the whole game. For me, 
that's found in a team mindset or a team mentality in a relationship. So as the crisis is happening, we can tend to, out of our own stress response, want to pull back and just focus on ourselves as an individual and everything that's swirling in our own head and the ways that's bringing us down and it's making us stressed out. And then it's easy to turn to the person closest to you, like in your story you shared, and blame it on that person, right? Just take your stress out on that person. And so one of the best things couples can do at this time is say, okay, seriously, time out. Let's just look each other in the eye and say, we are on the same team. And the only way we're going to get through this well is together. Having that team mentality as the foundation walking into this, gosh, you've got to start there. Uh, I know that one of the biggest challenges in relationships, and I, I know this because you taught me it, by the way, is when we approach things like stress and conflict differently. Like if your preference for how to cope in times of stress differs from my preference, then it can amp up the conflict. So how can we become more self-aware in these moments to react better than say how I did when my wife was trying to order us a meal online? Yeah, there's two pieces to this. And I'm glad you remember this because one is realizing you're going to respond differently. I think that's really important is to know you and your partner aren't going to go through this in the same way. You're not going to react to stress in the same way. We can really look at our personalities as having two sides to them. We have our personality that is us on most days, I would say, just on our good regular days. It's the ways that we show up and it's usually the way we fall in love with each other (laughs) is on those good days. And then we have that stress side, that darker side of our personality that shows up when we're in crisis, when we're under a lot of pressure. And that isn't always the best version of ourselves. So knowing that during this time, that side of you is going to show up and starting to pay attention to what does that look like? What do you look like when you don't show up as your best self? And I'll tell you who probably knows better than you do is your partner. (laughs) And, And, you know, you and I talked about this at one point too, Tom, about how, you know, in my in my relationship right now, I tend to show up under stress as becoming a little more pragmatic, a little more intellectual, um, you know, less emotional um, and kind of less empathetic at times. Um, my partner tends to show up kind of big, bold, he kind of gets more big picture and he's looking at all the scenarios and everything that he needs to think through and how he can save everybody. And, and so we approach stress so differently that we have to look at each other and say, okay, Let's just remember here, we're going to miss each other along the way because we're actually not going to approach things in the same way. And that might cause us some conflict in our relationship. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. Uh, just the other day, you know, when I'm stressed out, what I want to do is focus on the task that's just right in front of me. And I just want to get through it, right? One of my jobs in the house is I always do the dishes. And so the other night I was loading the dishwasher and trying to get through that. And my wife came downstairs and she wanted to talk about you know, how are we going to make a plan for the week? And I, I'm like, I, I don't want to think of that, about that right now. I just want to get these dishes in the dishwasher. <laughs> and she was really frustrated with me because she wanted me to stop and like big, go big picture. And I just said, I just wanted to focus on something small and simple that I knew I could get done. And that, that is like indicative of a lot of our frustration before all this, but it is manifesting that way in this moment. Yeah, it gets magnified in times like this. So I recommend that couples sit down and have a little chat about, hey, how do you show up in stress? How do I show up in stress? And then 
can we give each other space and grace right now for the fact that we may not show up as our best self and let's not take it as a, some personal affront, um, but let's really see that what we're going through is gonna take its toll on each of us as individuals and we can give each other some room. It might be that you have to say to your partner, gosh, you, that darker side of you is showing up right now, <laughs> you know, and I see that in you and I just want you to know I'm giving you some grace. It can also mean that you as an individual has to be more, your awareness has to be more heightened just in how you're reacting and realizing when you are just snapping or you are withdrawing and isolating, um, that those are your clues that you're starting to get emotionally overwhelmed. And it's time for you to do the things that you know help you come down. And whether that's self-care things you can do for yourself or it's actually support and conversation you need in the relationship. Well, I mean, unfortunately, it doesn't feel like this stress that we're all experiencing right now is going to go away anytime soon. So what can we do to lessen its impact on us individually and as a couple? Yes, let's talk through what couples can do. And being able to take action is so important right now. There's so many things we can't control. And one of the best things to do when things are out of control is to define the things you can control. So here's some actions that couples can take and, and chime in with me if these um, are making sense for you too, Tom, and your relationship. But one of the first things, and as I've been coaching people this last week, I've been talking about the importance of planning. You know, we can spend our days going through this running laundry list of worries that we have. And what our brain is doing is it's trying to come up with a strategy to get ourselves out of this problem. And so to quiet the mind and to actually come together in alignment as a couple, it's really helpful to sit down and say, okay, let's put together three scenarios. Let's say, what's our best case scenario through this? And I'm, I'm talking about thinking about what's our best case scenario in, in our careers, in our finances, in our health, in our parenting, in our, in our relationship. What's the best case scenario through this? Then what's our plan B? You know, if things start to get difficult in any of those categories, how are we going to handle it? Do we know how we're going to handle it? And then the last one, as funny as it sounds, can be really helpful to walk through that worst case scenario. Because that's where our brain goes in that panic and that fear mode. And that's why we're seeing people right now, you know, overbuying supplies, even like toilet paper. Um, that's panic mode. That's fear. And that's people going to that worst case scenario in their mind. And so as a couple, as you talk through that worst case scenario, often what you find out is you're really actually equipped to manage that. And if you can talk through it and you can realize you're equipped, those worries can go down to a more relaxed level. And then I say, take those plants and shelf them. You now have your scenarios figured out. That allows you to be more present, to take care of yourself, to take care of your children, and to do the important things on a day-to-day -day basis other than letting your brain kind of run ahead with you. Yeah, that sounds really good. My, I know my wife would appreciate if I would sit down with and, and do that planning. Um, yesterday, I went to the grocery store and they were um, out of Nutella. So that's a pretty worst case. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Nutella and toilet but, paper. Yeah, that, that's what people need. want, I guess. I guess so. <laughs> um, so, uh, so what else then? You said you kind of had, you had a, a list of things for us. So making a plan is one. What else should we be thinking about? Yeah. And then sticking with some sort of daily structure. This is one of those times where as much as you can create a sense of normalcy, the better it's going to feel. It's going to feel better for you as an individual. It's going to feel better for you as a couple. And particularly if you have children in the house, this kind of daily structure is super helpful. And that's everything from getting up and going to bed around similar times, doing your normal morning routine, 
you know, even making your bed, showering, getting dressed, and those things that we can forego in our personal environments, um, but it actually helps us feel kind of normal and engaged in the day. So sticking with that daily structure is really helpful. Even that's down to, you know, what are the things you usually do in your relationship? If one of the things that you do is have a date night, figure out a way to have a date night every week right now. Um, and it might be putting a, a movie on for the kids and you might be having a glass of wine in the other room, but still you're making that space and time and keeping those structures the same. Um, a big one, sharing information. So there's this onslaught of information right now. So it can be good as a couple to decide how much information are we going to take in? Is it going to be this constant run of news in the background in our house? <laughs> Or are we going to decide, you know what, let's take in what we need in the morning, have a short conversation about it, and let's go about our day. And then let's catch up a little bit in the evening and see if there's anything new we need to know. That actually can keep you feeling more sane. For a lot of couples right now, financial planning is really important. Sitting down with your budget and looking at it and knowing you know, where things are at. So you both, again, are aligned. In a lot of couple relationships, one person tends to be responsible usually for the finances, but more than any other time, both people knowing what's going on financially is super important. You know, having an idea of how are we going to take care of tasks? I love the fact you said you're, you're the one that usually does the dishes in your house. <laughs> That's it's, I've been the, the dishwasher for uh, 15 years. <laughs> I'm really good at it. <laughs> And that's great. And it might be talking to each other and saying, okay, here's all the daily tasks we have to get done. Let's just split them up. So we don't end up with that feeling that one person's doing more than the other, because that's something that can get under your skin pretty quickly. Totally. Yeah. Yep. So those tasks are important. Um, and then I think the, the last thing I'll mention and is how incredibly important it is to stay connected and intimate. Stress, man, is a killer on the libido. And it really can cause us to want to isolate that idea that we're together, but separate, you know, so we're in the same house, but to manage kind of our stress, we're isolating rather than connecting. And you need that connection right now. You, I mean, especially with this idea of social distancing, um, we need physical touch. We need to feel loved. We need to feel seen. We need to feel cared for. You need to pursue that as a couple in the ways that you can both tolerate right now. You know, maybe for some couples that is really keeping a robust sexual relationship and that's something that feels great in your relationship right now. For other couples, it might be having more intimate conversations, more vulnerable conversations. It might be just holding each other at the end of the day rather than rolling over and going to bed without paying attention to each other physically and emotionally. But whatever that is that you can tolerate in your relationship right now, I say pursue it. It's going to really pay off in the end. My situation is that I'm at home in my three-bedroom, one-bathroom house with my wife and my three small kids. And it kind of feels like no matter where I go, I'm surrounded. And, you know, we're all practicing social isolation, but I kind of feel like I could go for a little more isolation, <laughs> at least some Tom time, if you will. So what guidance do you have for finding quiet time in quarantine? That to me falls under the category of self-care. And we're hearing that a lot right now. Self-care is so important. And it really is. It's important not only for our physical health and making sure we're continuing to stay healthy and boost our immunity, but it's also really important for our mental health and making sure that we're 
bringing our stress response down, keeping ourselves in what I would call rational mind rather than irrational mind, allowing kind of our worries to take over. So it really is important. And particularly in your case, and there's many people in the same situation that you're in right now, which is families, you know, quarantined into a house together 24 seven, wow, we're not used to doing that. You know, we are used to our reprieve. <laughs> we are used to having our time away from each other. And so it does get overwhelming and nerves do get frayed when we're on top of each other like that. And so it is important for the whole family unit and for the relationship to have some space from one another. So I think, you know, the first thing you can do is really commit to that self-care for every member in the household. Whoever is in your household, commit that it is a priority that people are getting self-care. One of the ways that you can do that is, you know, if kids are present or if other things need to be done, take turns, you know, look at your partner and say, hey, it's your turn right now. Whatever it is you need to do, if you need to go take a walk, if you need to just go downstairs and binge something by yourself for a little while, if you need to go up into the bedroom and close the door and you need to just take a nap or be creative, whatever it is you need, go take the time and be generous actually in giving that to your partner. Yeah, that's interesting. It feels like we're trying to take turns, but we are both kind of using our turn to go back to work. We're also struggling to do the job at the same time. But I think you're right. Like we also need to take turns to say, hey, you need to go for a run. And I I got this, Uh, you know, or whatever that is. So that's good guidance. I have to admit that as a parent, I've realized that I need my kids' play dates as much as they do. (laughs) I need them to go to school. And right now, they're not getting any of that. So what advice do you have for parents in all of this? This is a real challenge. I want to say that first to normalize for any parent listening to this, that to be put in a position where you have to basically homeschool or prioritize schooling for your child while simultaneously prioritizing your job is probably one of the more impossible tasks you can do. (laughs) And so this is a real challenge for people. And I think there's extra pressure because we're operating in modalities that we're not used to operating. So there can be pressure on the side of taking care of your children and school and feeling like you don't want them to get behind And you don't want them to um, not stay caught up and engaged in what they're studying. And then in your work, for many people, you know, as we work remotely, the pressure rises because there can be this sense that I need to kind of double down and do even more to continue to make myself valuable and to let my boss know that I am actually working. I'm not just sitting here in my my sweats, binging Netflix in between meetings. Like, so there is that sense of wanting to be, um, proving I'm not, that I swear. You're, <laughs> that you're productive. It's pajamas actually. <laughs> so it is a real challenge. So what I say, you know, to across the board, reset your expectations. This is an unusual circumstance. Everybody knows it's an unusual circumstance. Do the best you can do. Uh, and even reset your expectations with your children that let them do the best they can do right now but don't feel like you have to press them to do all the homework and to be constantly engaged. They need to play, they need to let go, they need to let down as much as you as adults need to play and let go and let down right now. I also think that this is probably even more important than that is to acknowledge that in the house, emotions are running high. And so we've been talking a lot about as a couple, how you're managing stress, as an individual partner, how you're managing stress. But let's talk specifically about parents managing their own stress 
and not allowing that to trickle over onto the kids where all of a sudden the kids need to be the ones managing the parents' emotions. And that definitely is something that happens. So remember, you know, you're the adult, you've got to manage your emotions, you've got to manage the stress and your children under this pressure because kids, they're just so, so smart. They pick up on everything. Um, they're feeling it. They're feeling the pressure of this environment right now. And they may be more irritable. They may have, they, mis they misbehave more than they normally do. They may melt down in ways they don't typically melt down. And that same space and grace you have to give yourself and your partner really needs to be given to your children right now. Um, and they need to be held. They need to be consoled. They need to be understood. A lot of what we've been talking about so far has really been focused on people in longer term committed relationships. But there is a whole lot of people who might have been looking for love or in early stages of a relationship. And this coronavirus has put all that on hold for them. So what advice do you have for these people? Well, I don't know if you've seen the series. Um, it's a, it's a binge-worthy reality show right now, Love is Blind, of couples that meet in a, in a pod and they can't see each other. And so they, they date in this environment where they're talking and getting to know each other, but they have no idea what each other looks like. Anyway, it's a really interesting experience. You see people become connected quite quickly as they get to know who somebody is on the inside. And I, I think right now there's this incredible opportunity just because so much of dating is online to really develop relationships with people in ways that you wouldn't normally, you know, you think about so many of those apps are driven to meet each other and then see each other in person as quickly as possible, where you can actually take the time right now to go, I would say just a little old fashioned in the relationship. You can cultivate an understanding of who a person is in a totally different way and really get to know somebody. So I would say take actually this as an opportunity to continue to pursue dating just in a different way and really get to know somebody, spend some time talking to them online. Um, well, what do you see as the silver lining on all this or the, you know, the positives, how might this be an opportunity? You've already kind of identified some, but how might this be an opportunity for our relationships? I loved the stories that we're seeing of people already talking about what they're learning, about slowing their life down, about spending time together, about becoming more creative, about serving other people together. And all of those things, I think, are going to be the silver lining out of this. I don't know that we're going to do life in the same way, in maybe that same hurried um, run past each other, don't really pay attention pace that so much of our life has been. And so I do think there is a benefit to the kind of attention we're giving relationship and space we're making for relationship right now. The other side of this that really addresses a positive part of going through crisis or trauma is trauma bonds us. And because when we're faced with something that's extraordinarily difficult and we can make it through together, we have a connection with each other that's stronger than it was before. And I think if couples can look at this as a bonding time, a time that's forcing them to communicate differently, a time that's making them more dependent on each other than they were before, a time that they, as a team, can make it through, what you're going to find is you can come out on the backside of this with a much stronger relationship than you had going in. I hope so. 
Um, we're nearing the end of our conversation. And one of the things we want to be part of every episode we create here is we want to make sure we give our listeners some way, small way, simple, practical way to make an improvement in whatever it is they're looking to improve. You know, something they could do tonight or something they could do right now to work on improving their relationship today. Do you have any uh, practices or tools for us? So I'm going to give us all something really simple because right now the last thing we need is some sort of complicated communication exercise (laughs) as a couple. But research tells us that this is one of the keys to a long-term satisfying relationship and it's called kindness. The ability to be kind to one another in the face of a difficult circumstance. The ability to show up, to turn towards, to love one another is so incredibly powerful. Kindness can show up in simple ways. It can show up as, you know, touching each other, hugging each other, giving each other a little back massage as you pass each other in the hallway of your tight house. (laughs) Kindness can show up even when nerves are frayed and you might um, kind of lose your cool, coming back with an apology, a sincere apology that says, you know, I'm stressed right now. I'm so sorry. I love you. And I apologize. Kindness can show up in turning back the covers on the bed bringing a cup of coffee in the morning, pouring a glass of wine at night, and a simple attentiveness to one another and to our relationships with a level of kindness right now can be incredibly powerful and just the tonic that we need. You might be one of the most kind people I've ever met. Um, And that brings us to our close. I want to thank my guest, Jen Elmquist, for sharing her wisdom and advice with us today. And I think my wife thanks you too, Jen. Uh, before we let you go, Jen, is, um, if people wanted to learn more from you or about you, how would they do that? They can find me online, jenelmquist.com. Find me on social media too, on Instagram, on Facebook. You can connect with me there, jenelmquist.com. Cool. Well, we'll put, make sure that we put some links to jenelmquist.com on the page that hosts this podcast as well. So if you want to learn more from Jen in other ways, Being by The Big No offers an online course taught by her. In it, she helps you understand your relationship better and gives you real tools for working with your partner to strengthen your bonds and deepen your love. It is one of my all-time favorite courses we've ever made. And Jen, thanks so much. And I really appreciate the time you gave us today. Oh, thanks so much, Tom. It's so good to be with you and all of our listeners today and wishing everybody a healthy, happy, and safe day. Look, I know what we all want. We all just want to get back to normal. But we have to accept that normal, that's over. And while it's hard to hear, if we really think about it, for a lot of us, normal wasn't working in the first place. Normal was making us sad. Normal was making us sick. Normal was making us tired. Normal was making us bored. I think we can do way better than normal. If this whole thing is going to be worth it, we have to get Beyond Normal. Beyond Normal is a production of The Big No, where renowned experts teach the skills of health and well-being on demand. You can learn more about our licensable and custom health content solutions at thebigno.com. That's the big K-N-O-W.com. Beyond Normal is produced by Nate Madsen. Assistant producer is TMR. Our theme music is from premiumbeat.com. The show is edited by Damon Kaler. I'm your host, Tom Godfrey. Goodbye.